You are listening to this podcast, which means either you or somebody that you know and love is likely going through perimenopause and or full-blown menopause. And I am so excited to share with you that I recently published a digital guide entitled, Is It Hot in Here or Is It Just Me? Seven Steps to Dramatically Reduce Your Hot Flashes Through the Power of Nutrition. And I wrote this book with you in mind, my friend, because it took me some time to figure out the answers to heal my own menopausal symptoms like hot flashes and night sweats and tummy bloat. But I got here and I have figured it out and now I am thrilled to be able to share it with you. And so if you too are struggling and want the quick answers to stop struggling, then just head over to michellefox.com and you will see a photo of the book cover. Again, that is, is it hot in here or is it just me? Seven steps to dramatically reduce your hot flashes through the power of nutrition. You are not meant to suffer and I would love to be on your healing journey to help you feel better. You deserve this. Okay, so now sit back or keep walking or whatever you're doing right now and enjoy this episode. You're going to like this one. Welcome to Nourish. I am Michelle Fox, culinary nutritionist, health coach, and your host for this podcast. I teach busy professionals how to get more nutrition in their bodies and how to have more fun in their home kitchens. If you struggle with consistency or sometimes forget to make your needs a priority, you, my friend, are in the right place. Join me each week for inspiration to increase your energy, strengthen your mindset, manage your hormonal woes, and so much more. You have a lot on your plate, but that does not mean your nutrition should suffer. You deserve to live in a body and have a life that you love. So let's dig in. I see you and I hear you. And probably most important, I feel you, my friend. You have been feeling stuck, whether it is stuck with your nutrition goals, stuck trying to decide whether to leave your job, start something fresh, feeling stuck perhaps with a relationship. I promise you, you want to listen in on today's conversation because my friend Vidya is with us to help us learn how to get unstuck. Oh my goodness, I'm talking in a measured tone because I am so thrilled to dig into this conversation because there are so many of us who are juggling so many things right now. And I truly want to help to bring tools, to bring light all around the subject of getting unstuck so that you can live the life that you know you're meant to be living. So to give you a little bit of information about who we're talking to today, I will share a short read of her bio. So Vidya Ramachandran, she is the founder of Warrior Strategy LLC. 
She is a self-leadership catalyzer and recalibration strategist who helps women be their most unapologetically expressive, free, vital, unique, creative selves. Through her unapologetic recalibration framework, Vidya guides women to break free from the societal, cultural, and familial norms or systems that prevent them from thriving. She has a strong desire to be an advocate for boldly claiming one's values and soul desires despite others' expectations. Thank you and hello. <laughs> also, accessing mind-body wisdom and honoring the natural energy cycle to avoid burnout. Yes. Her core values are joyous laughter, freedom, connection, and creativity. Before starting her business, she spent almost two decades in finance. I know she and I are going to be talking about that in a moment because you know I'm in the same boat. Market research and strategy in Fortune 100 companies and global health nonprofits. When she's not working, you can find her dancing, listening to music, watching a Canadian or British or Australian or New Zealand television series, reading a cozy mystery, planning a trip, or continuing to explore her own vibrant, passionate, joyful vitality. Vidya, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really oh. excited for our conversation today. Oh my goodness. You and I both, we've had quite a few conversations offline, which is why I'm so excited to introduce you to my community because I know you have a lot of beautiful tools to help us seamlessly and easily get unstuck from some of the things that are holding us back. And so with all that excitement, I actually want to take a moment to take a step back and ask, would you be willing to play a rapid fire game with me? Yes, I would. Yay. <laughs> you know, to be fair, I haven't had a guest who's turned me down yet. So I'm, I'm feeling a little <laughs> confident with that question. <laughs> so thank you for, you know, to, to working with me. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, I'm always up for a game. So <laughs> one of my soul playmates. Sweet. So let's start with a softball. So how about this? If I say sweet, salty, or savory, what do you choose? Oh, sweet. Because I love adding chocolate chips to almost anything. <laughs> and I love that little giggle. It sounds very childlike. I bet the child in you is like craving those chocolate chips once in a while. We were not allowed to have chocolate or any type of candy growing up. So Halloween was like when we would sneak all the candy. I can relate. I absolutely can relate to that one. All right. So this is a new one I haven't asked before, but you're name of your company definitely has me intrigued. So how did Warrior Strategy come about? So Warrior is actually the community name that my family and my parents are a part of back in India. So it was my way of honoring part of my lineage and my cultural heritage, along with bringing in the strategy piece, which I just love really from my you know corporate and nonprofit time and just what I do now in my work of really helping people identify what strategies will get them to that next level that they want to get to. So kind of combining both pieces of who I am, I guess. How powerful. 
And that leads us into our third and final question, which is, would you be willing to share a memory from childhood in the kitchen? (laughs) I will tell you, I... One of the things I love about your videos, side note, if we can go there, is that you make everything look so fun (laughs) in the kitchen. I did not enjoy being in the kitchen when I was younger because my mom would have us stirring things and grew up with a lot of Indian, South India cooking, which there was a lot of chopping vegetables and stirring things over the stove. So I felt very much like cooking was not my thing. But I see my friends' kids now and some of my, you know, cousins' kids now, and I feel like, oh my gosh, if I had that type of knife that I could have learned how to chop with, maybe I would have had more fun or different little hacks that they have these days. I feel like, oh, now I can get into it. <laughs> I nodding my head for our friends who are watching on YouTube, you'll you'll see me because I'm like, yes, I can absolutely relate. Growing up in an African-American household, there was certain kitchen tools that we used. And it's actually funny now that I say that out loud, because I've talked to a few of my other African-American girlfriends. And I'm like, did you have these tools, you know, when you were growing up? Because I always thought there was a difference between, you know, Black people, kitchen tools and white people, kitchen tools here in Denver, Colorado. And it turns out that was all in my head because most of my Black girlfriends were like, yeah, you know, I had a spatula. I had this. I'm like, oh, well, I guess that was just my household. (laughs) So (laughs) it just, you you pulled on a fun memory as you're bringing back your memories of being in an Indian kitchen. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Wow. Got it. Well, thank you for helping me to walk through memory lane a little bit. (laughs) It's always fun, right? We get those things that we have forgotten for decades and then something will spark that memory. So, Yes, yes. (laughs) All right. Well, let's get our topic at hand, which is what I know people who saw the title of this episode are clicking on, which is how to get unstuck. I know you work with a lot of women and I, you've also mentioned there are three myths that actually contribute to keeping us stuck. Yes, yes. What I have found through my own experience and just with the women I've like talked to, my friends, my family, women I've worked with, there are three key myths that I have found or patterns, if you want to even call it that, that I have found that keep us stuck. And so if we can start to reframe those myths or those beliefs and start taking some actions towards them. They are the first steps that can help us start moving into the path that we are more aligned to. And a lot of times it's really interesting because we get so, or it's just natural that we get so overwhelmed thinking like, oh my God, I feel stuck. I don't know where to go that we can't even take that first step. So that's why I love providing at least a couple first steps, you know, like small steps that we can start with, because as soon as we take that step, another step might open up for us, or we might start to slowly see the path forward. Mm, How powerful. I'm like on the edge of my seat. I'm like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. I want to talk about what are these three myths? Yes, yes. I'm really excited to dive into this. So so the first one, the first myth or disempowering belief, however you want to call it, whatever resonates with you, is that we think a lot of the times that it's too late for us to make a change. 
either we've invested so much time, we or energy or maybe even money in going down this path, or it's, you know, we've got so many other things going down, going on in our lives that it's just easier for us to just stick with the path that we're on, whether it's, you know, nutrition, I, I've definitely struggled with that. <laughs> or our career. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Then or our our career or our other life choices. And so the first, you know, that myth of like it's not not too late to start reframing that, or we want to switch that into the more empowering belief of it's never too late to reinvent yourself mm. in that area. I and, love that. Before we go on to step number two, I'm now also relating. I'm, I'm loving this synergy. But when you talked about the career, I was 48 when I made the decision to move full time into culinary nutrition. And I do remember feeling like I'm feeling a little old to start, but also this feeling of it's now or never. And so I love that you bring that up, that feeling like it's too late can absolutely feel like a roadblock to making a change. Yes. And I would add that if if someone is struggling, right, someone listening is struggling to to see themselves in a place where they could reinvent themselves, look to the people around them, like, you know, Michelle or or even me. I've through the 20 plus 21 years since college, I think I've reinvented myself four or five times. You know, find the people around you, even if you don't know them personally, to be the models that you can say, you know what, if they're doing it or if they've done it, maybe I can also do it. And that might be the little nudge you need to get started. Mm -hmm. Yes, and then, amen. And then I would also say the other pieces, like the, the action step to help with that reframe is to really uncover what you as the, you know, as yourself want, because like Michelle, you knew, you know, at that point, if you didn't know you wanted to do culinary nutrition, it would have made it a little bit more challenging for you to say, okay, I'm ready to leave this job at 48 and, and, you know, go on to my next thing. So really taking the time to uncover what is it that you want. So you have that clear vision of what you're moving towards or what you're wanting to move towards is really helpful in, you know, like as a first step to, to shifting that mindset. And I know people like you are an amazing resource. And so my friends who are listening, whether you reach out to Vidya or you find a therapist or a counselor or a coach, like I am absolutely pro asking for help. Nobody, nobody should suffer. That's one of my core values as well. And so thank you. Thank you for the work that you do to help yeah. women yes. like me and my community to get unstuck. Yeah, thank you. No, it's it's definitely so fun to just see someone just like that inner spark kind of relights when they come across what is it that they're passionate about or what it is it, what is it that is more aligned for them than whatever is currently, you know, what they're doing or some part of their life that they're currently in, right? So yeah. Yes. You just got a, a fist pumping in the air for the word alignment. Yes, ma'am. I'm like that. That is one word too that as you're out there walking the dog or having some meditation time, having some alone time, like I strongly encourage people to look at what feels in alignment for them. 
just the word alignment, I'm like, yeah, I, I can like soften and lean into that word. Yeah. And and know that that can change. I think that's the other piece we forget is that I, at least what my experience was seeing my parents, in, you know, like the way they approached or their generation approached work is like you kind of did what you did for 40 plus, you know, 40 years or whatever, then you retired from there and, and that's it. And so just, you know, or you, you know, some people stayed in relationships or some people, whatever choice they had, they stuck it out. And that was like a good thing or seen as a good thing to stick it out. And I think it's important that one, we do start to ask ourselves, what is it that we want? And two, know that it's okay to like, if it changes over time. Mm. I believe, would that be part of the recalibration you talk about in the work that you do? Yes, yes. So it's a continuous process, which is why I'm still also continuing to always up level in my own process of we kind of are recalibration. The reason I love the word recalibration is because it doesn't feel like a drastic shift. It feels like we're circling and circling and getting closer and closer to the bullseye, which is our soul and what we want and what we're meant, you know, who we are and what we're meant to be doing here. And so it's like a very gentle body connected, soul connected way of moving closer to one, knowing what lights us up and moving closer to that so that we're feeling just more aligned and fulfilled and vibrant. And I just feel so much self-compassion in that statement as well. Mm, okay, so let's let's go on to steps two and three. So the first myth that we just discovered is a lot of us think it's too late to make a change. So what would be the second myth that you think gets in the way of people getting unstuck? The second myth, which I can personally relate to very well, is that if I make a change, it means I failed. Mm. And so for me, this has shown up several times because I've made several pivots in my life. But where it hit home the most is when I was a year and a half into like three semesters into a PhD program and it wasn't going the way I wanted or it was like, you know, I came in feeling like the, the best way I can describe it is like I, you know, I had that skip in my step and everything was like colorful and, you know, you're off on this new adventure. And, and I loved the, the academic piece of it, the, the learning and all of that, like that really lit me up. But I slowly noticed over time that the days were getting heavier. I was crying more than not. It felt like the color had kind of leached out, like that pilot light had lit, you know, like gotten doused with water or whatever. And, and I was crying more nights than not. And that's when I realized like, okay, this might not be the right fit for me, but I've invested, you know, I moved, I sold a condo to be there. I left a decent job. I told everybody I was doing this thing. <laughs> That's the part for me right there. It's like, if I tell people, I'm like, I'm so committed to keeping my word. Oh, yes. yes. I yes. think that would trip me up as well. <laughs> exactly. And then I was like, what do I do? I can't go back. It felt, it literally, it felt like I had kind of dug myself into a hole and I did not know how to get out of it. And this is where I really credit my, my community and why connection is so, such a big core value for me is because 
it was talking to some of my friends who were like, okay, let's look at this at a different, you know, like zoom out a little bit. You're obviously miserable, right? You need to make a change. That's the question. The question is, what do you do next? And, and so really this idea, and we have so many things where I feel like we think failure is the end, like it's the end, right? But but if we think of it, and this might be coming also because I have an undergrad degree in chemistry and I did a lot of social sciences after that. And so like it might come from that perspective, but I started shifting and seeing that. So the empowered version of this is, or the flip of this is nothing is a failure if you can start seeing your life as a series of experiments. Hmm. Say that for the people in the back. I want to hear that again. So nothing is a failure if you can start seeing your life as a series of experiments. Mm, how beautiful. Yes. I'm writing that one down as well. Yes. And then the two key questions I like to use as my action steps for this is to consider one is what is one thing you've learned from the experience that you can apply to your next decision, choice, experience? So like you're actually taking something out. And then what is one reason that it is not the right path for you? Hmm. So if we were to role play, and actually Vidya can role play with Vidya like 10 years ago to today, like just the example you gave us about changing your major and or your program, could you walk us through those two steps in that process? in that process? Yeah. So I will tell you exactly because it was in 2012 when I made the decision to leave. So 11 years ago. And I had to, I was going on job interviews and I had to explain why I was leaving a PhD program. And so what I would say for the, you know, what is one thing that I learned from the experience is that I learned one I was actually pulling something from the experience itself. So that this, what I learned would help me be better at, or it would help, it would help me approach. I was going back into market research. So it would help, it brought me some more social science skills that would help me approach this job more effectively. And then two, what is one reason it wasn't the right path or experience for me is that I recognized that I really struggled with the fact that the research topics were very theoretical. And I was looking for something that was much more applied or practical. So it's wonderful to witness that you were able to identify exactly what worked for you in that time period. And I will tell you, to be fully transparent, in the moment, it literally was me grasping at something so I could get the, get a job, right? Doing something that I had some familiarity with and not wanting to feel like I just wasted two years doing a graduate school program that really wasn't like useful or, or helpful, right, to my next steps. And so it was actually me reflecting back years later where I realized like, oh, these questions that I was forced to answer or to come up with a story around this experience to help say like, no, it did, I did learn something. It, you know, it wasn't completely a waste of time is what led me to realizing like, okay, you know what, there is value in all of our experiences. And 
you know, it is an experiment. We learn something so it cannot be a failure. Which speaks to the power of words and the language that we can often use for ourselves. I know in my experience from myself and what I've witnessed in clients and friends is that we tend to lean on negative self-talk when we are feeling stuck, especially. And so I love your reframe to perhaps lean towards the more compassionate, specifically self-compassionate words to to pull us out and to reframe our experiences from the past that could be keeping us stuck. Yes, exactly. Mm. So that was myth number two. What is myth number three? So myth number three is something that we touched on a little bit already. It's that I'll disappoint the people in my life. Mm-hmm. That's probably mine. <laughs> yeah. I am anxious to hear your take on this one. <laughs> Again, yeah, this, this came up pretty much every time I was making a ch- ch- pivot, like either where I was, you know, moving to a new town or state or city, or I was like, you know what? finance isn't for me. I need to try something else. Okay. I tried market research. You know, it's not for me. You know, every time I did that, especially when I left the PhD program, because I realized later that there was not just the, this is what I want to do, but there's a little bit of the, oh, I have a younger sister who's a physician. My dad was a physician. I have extended family who are physicians. It would be nice to have a doctor in front of my name. <laughs> and I, and I, it wasn't a conscious thing that I'd realized at the time. But looking back, I think there was some sort of I would get more validation or I would be more valuable if I had this experience under my belt and if I had a PhD. And so for me, it was when I was ready to say, you know what, I don't think this is going to work. There were two options. I could either make it work and and I will tell you, the faculty in my department were amazing. They were like, we, you know, we can support you and, and help you make this work. Or I could say, no, I'm ready, you know, this, I'm ready to cut ties with this. And it was either like, okay, do I continue pushing the boulder up the hill to not disappoint the people in my life? Or do I disappoint the people in life, but not be steeped in the colorless misery that I was in? And so it took a lot of, I mean, I still remember what it was like when I called my dad. I mean, I was like 32, 33 at the time. Mm-hmm. 32, I think I was. And like calling my dad to say, I don't think this is going to work. It was terrifying for me. Mm-hmm. And so it was because also it was like, you know, everybody in their community, like, you know, their family friends all knew I was doing this. And, and so then, like you said, like, you know, if everyone knows that you're off doing this thing, it's not just your disappointment. It's potentially a collective disappointment in the community. And so, yeah, that one took a really long time for me to overcome and and reframe. But there is a sense of this phrase of like, just you be you, I think, is the crux of it. And just out of curiosity, How did your parents react when you shared the news with them? (laughs) My dad said, I don't know what to tell you. You need to get a job. (laughs) (laughs) 
And was that his way of dismissing your idea? No, I think it literally was. So there was a part of the challenge was because there were they were immigrants. They came in the 70s. They were educated for the most part in India. And so they were not also familiar with the academic system in this country. And and so part of it is like they literally did not know what to do, but they knew I couldn't come home and, you know, go back to my bedroom in their house and just sit there twiddling my thumbs. And so it was for them, they're like, they, we don't know how to like bail you out. Mm, and so, yeah, yeah, there was that. But, but, it, but I will say like, you know, in this country, especially not having health insurance is a huge, dis, you know, like a huge factor in a lot of people's decisions. And def- that definitely was for me. I was like, I'm going to lose my health insurance if I leave school. I need a job. I don't know where else to, you know, where else to go. So, so yeah. And, and that also took a while because I, I had one recruiter tell me, I don't know how to help you. And these were people who were always like calling me when I was working full time. But, but then I found someone who's like, oh no, we can, we can position you as, as if you, you know, were before a market researcher. So let's let's go down that path. And that's the path I chose. But but yeah, it's it's challenging because they've invested, like our parents, at least my parents had invested a lot of time and energy. And, you know, I think of like how much money they had invested with me growing up. And and like, yes, I'm 32, but there's still a part of me that's like I want, I want my parents to be happy with what I'm doing. And your decision absolutely speaks to your courage to self-advocate and stand up for yourself. And it also reminds me of that quote about leap and the net will appear, which yes. sounds like the net appeared in the form of a recruiter who could help you position yourself yes. in the way that you needed at the time. Yes, yes, mm. exactly. And And I will say the one thing that's really important, I think that a lot of us don't stop to think about is are our desires coming from us or are they coming from someone we've like what we've absorbed so are they aligned to us or are they something that are they someone else's desires or are they desires from society or you know just culturally or familiarly whatever it is that we've taken on Yes, I can relate in the way of my father being a CPA. I actually talk about my father a lot in my work because he died prematurely due to high blood pressure and high stress environment. And I couldn't save him, but his energy and that experience has definitely fueled me to help others that I can hopefully save so they don't have, you know, an untimely demise. But with that said, it really has been very recent, like, four to five years recent that I realized, wait a minute, I've been working in corporate America in finance because of exactly what you said, the insurance benefits, the 401k benefits, all the things that my dad preached to us growing up. And it wasn't till, yeah, very recently that I realized I also know, and I don't know why I blocked this part out, that my dad always said, Michelle, you can do whatever you want. Michelle, the world is your oyster. Michelle, you can create and have what you want. And so I know his spirit absolutely supports me doing culinary nutrition and doing the work that I do in the world. But for some reason, 
the work and the busy part of it, I'm like, it has to be in corporate America and I have to make a lot of money. <laughs> and guess what? That did not bring me a whole lot of joy. So I absolutely am relating and maybe over-relating to step three as far as no. feeling stuck because of what I assumed my father wanted of me. I love that you said that because I grew up, I had this conversation just a couple weeks ago with my parents where I had grown up thinking that, okay, I knew I was not going to be a doctor. I got grossed out by blood and all that stuff. But I thought I had to be a scientist if mm -hmm. I wasn't going to be a doctor. Yet my mom reminded me, she's like, at some point you were interested in law. And I mean, I think it was more like, I didn't know what to do. So maybe I'll go into law school. And, and you were interested in math and you were, you know, but I think part of it is that subconscious. I think that's what's so subtly devious is it's the subconscious messaging that we've absorbed because my parents never came out and said you had to be a scientist. They never really said that, but I took it in from somewhere. My sister took it in from somewhere. Mm -hmm. And my sister, who is a physician, she was a biology and, and has a minor in psych and went to med school. At one point a few years ago, my dad was like, you know, I really thought you were going to do something with music while you were in college because you were a good singer. And my sister was like, what? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I can only imagine how she felt hearing those words. <laughs> it never crossed either of our minds that we could do, you know, these other things, even though no one ever actually said we couldn't. And so I think, yeah, there's something there where like exactly what you were saying with your experience and you know your father never you know was like would be happy with this but you somehow blocked it thinking that you had to go into corporate america and finance oh my goodness yes so i could seriously talk to you for another solid hour fyi but in the interest of time i will just summarize what we just spoke about with your three myths I'm going to say the opposite to infuse it into affirm it into my community, which is one, it is never too late to make a change. Number two, if you change, it does not mean you have failed. And number three, there is a great chance that you will not disappoint anybody in your life by making this change. In fact, there's a great chance you can inspire the community around you. So, Vidya, do you have any words that you want to leave us with? I I think it's the you be you. I think there's just some, you know, when we can connect to what we really want and we're thriving, like you said, we inspire others around us to kind of reach for what would help them thrive as well. Mm. So beautiful. And so I already know there is somebody listening to this podcast who wants some of your juicy goodness and wants to get unstuck. And so where should they go to find you? I am now being a little bit more active on Instagram. So you can come find me there. It's vidya.r.warrior and warrior spelled with ER at the end. And and I also have my website, which is vidyawarrior.com, V-I-D-Y-A-W-A-R-R-I-E-R, which has free resources. It talks about some of the services I provide. And, and I have some fun workshops that I've been doing every few months that helps us connect to our bodies so that we can get more clarity on what really ignites our spark. So you are welcome to check it out. And then if you do reach out, let me know that you found me through the podcast or that you know Michelle, because I would love, I always love having that extra 
bit of connection. So. So beautiful. Well, it has been a sincere pleasure having you on the show today. So thank you. Thank you. It was so wonderful to be here. Thanks so much for listening to Nourish. Have you been driving, doing laundry, or walking around the neighborhood? Sweet. I've got show notes for you. Hop on over to michellefox.com forward slash podcast when you are ready. I will let you know that on the page, you will find resources to support what you just learned on today's show. And then of course, you can grab some health supportive freebies as well. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be honored if you would leave a review on whichever podcast platform you are listening on. It will help me with my mission to build healthier communities one person at a time, and it will help you because you will be part of that mission. I'll be back next week, and I encourage you to keep showing up for yourself and know that you and your health matter. Big love.